Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins, iniquities, and transgressions and shortcomings, and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you have given us yet another day to uplift your name, to partake in your word, Lord, and to fellowship together. We thank you, Lord, that you've looked after our families, that you've kept them from all hurt, harm, and danger. Lord, I thank you for, for healing my Aunt Sharon, Lord, who's about 100% recovered now. Yes, Lord, With all the things that the enemy, Lord, tried to really pull against us, Lord, you somehow kept us together. And that only shows that if we wear our armor and that we walk with you, that all things will be taken care of. And this is why you said, Lord, to worry is a sin. Because, Lord, we are to be able to walk by faith and not by sight. We are to trust you, Lord, in all matters. Because aside from you, Lord, we can do absolutely nothing. So, Lord, I'm just asking for a special blessing tonight over everyone present, everyone who hears this message. All those that are out there, pioneers, Lord, that are out there fulfilling your word and doing what you have called. For those, Lord, who have been in this a long time and have been attacked by the enemy. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I proclaim that they be set free. I proclaim in Jesus' name, Lord, that you release your warring angels over your people. And I proclaim, Lord, in the authority of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit of false love, every spirit, Lord, that is anti-Christ, all spirits of suicide, spirits of accident, Lord, spirits of just things, Lord, that are just take people away from you, Lord. I'm just praying that you just move them out of the way and cast them out. Lord, and let us cling to you, Lord, because these the time is now. These things that are going on while everyone's looking at the eclipse, Lord, you've got the, the army, Lord, that, that are trying to set things up to get rid of your people. We must wake up, Lord. We must do the things that you have called us to. We cannot fall asleep at the wheel. We cannot allow ourselves to be deceived by the carnal mind or by our emotions. We have to go according to your spirit and your word, Lord. For you are that great light that led Israel out of the wilderness. And you protected them by day. And you were that pillar of fire by night. And Lord, we just ask that you perform a mighty work in your people, that you give us what we need to fight. Lord, a, a one of your prophets, I believe, came to me and said to me, the spirit that ruleth Oregon, Lord, is not homosexuality. It's not any of these things. It's the spirit of fear. Yes. And Lord, it has to be true because everyone's afraid to offend people. No one wants to preach the gospel. Everyone calls cowardice love. And Lord, this is not how you meant for your people to be. You meant for us to be bold. You meant for us to proclaim your word. 
And Lord, I'm just praying that if there's a spirit of fear, that you move it aside, Lord, that you get it out of the way, that people may actually see what it is that you want. Let us love perfectly, Lord, for you said that perfect love casteth out fear. And Lord, I'm just praying, Lord, that we all work and live to our potential in you. Let us receive the gift of faith, Lord, and the, and the gift of salvation, for no man can earn it. But anyone of the Spirit, Lord, will be led unto good works. So, Lord, if there's any distractions, anything keeping your people from doing what you called, we need to get it together in you, Lord. Let us die out to the world, Lord, so that we may go. If we try, Lord, it's only going to come back stronger on us. We have to die to our circumstances, die to the world, die to worldly desires, die to things, Lord, that are not going your way that we may walk with you. And Lord, I just pray that no flesh be glorified tonight. I pray, Lord, that you are pleased with what the teaching is. And more importantly, that you teach us your word, that we may receive it in truth, and that we may believe your words, Lord, for your words are spirit and they are life. And Lord, I just pray for all those that we're out there ministering to, Lord, those homeless, those drug addicts, Lord, we're going to need more power. We're going to need more to come against the enemy, Lord. And I'm just pr praying that you never let our cups run dry. Let us stay with you. Let us walk with you. We know that you love us, Lord, but how much do we love you? That is the question. It is not what you do. You have proven yourself time and time again that we may not doubt. But how much do we love you? And, Lord, I just pray that our hearts be set right, that you remove the stone, Lord, and let the flesh, Lord, be affected. Let Jesus Christ live in us, make his abode in us, and walk in us. We yield our vessels to you. Lord, accept them and do it for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Salvation is an Individual Affair. Okay, and um, I feel led to talk about this tonight because, you know, I've even recognized when we were out there ministering, you know, that it was a lot of us, you know, at one point, and now the numbers have been like reduced to, you know, whatever number it is, that's not important, but the point is, is that the Lord is, you know, telling me, because I remember feeling uncomfortable out there, I remember feeling like, man, why... I don't feel like I have as much confidence as I did before. And the Lord was checking me like, you know, you and I used to come out here alone. What is it that you got used to? What is it that you were expecting and not really relying on me? So, you know, he had to rebuke me of that. And I had to, you know, repent for what I felt because we have to understand that we are all called to do something for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to do anything with a group that I wouldn't do by myself. Why? Amen. Because then that would make me a phony. That would make me somebody that, oh, he's bold when there's people. But when nobody's around, he's trying to, you know, get along or he won't do. But, you know, we all need to be authenticated to walk with Christ and to trust him. Mm -hmm. Because when it boils down to it, true salvation is you and Jesus Christ. So this was like a month ago, but, you know, I repented of that, and I actually feel good now that, it, that it's like that. Because if God is with you, then it doesn't matter who's around or what's going on. Right. We have to know this. God has always saw the many as a negative. He's always looked at the few as a positive. 
Why? Because in the few or in the lesser, God gets more glory. And, you know, we're going to all be tested one day that we should all walk out there and see if we've got it. Not for our sakes, but if we believe the words of God, then why not go out there and see if God is with you for real? Why try and figure it out later on? Let's see, you know, hey, Lord, if this is what you said and I believe what you said, if you want me to fast and pray and get ready, sure. But, Lord, when you say it's time, I'm going out there with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got to believe him to that point. A lot of people in groups and churches and Bible studies and everything, everybody's looking at, you know, I'm saved because this person's saved. I'm a part of a big group, and we're all smiling and laughing and loving each other, so we're all saved. But the Bible doesn't speak of that at all. The Bible says that we have to, you know, we all have to see the Lord one day, and we are going to be asked to be accountable for what we have and what we have not done. You know, that's going to be the one time before the the great white throne or or the judgment seat of Christ that no matter what we got away with in our lives, no matter what we did, no matter how slick we were, no matter how many things that we could do or say that could get us out of it, man, on that particular day, we will be accountable for everything that we've done. You're going to look into those two eyes as a flame of fire, and he's going to ask you, what did you do for me? What are we? What are some of us going to say? Or, you know, I don't know. i got to stay with the Lord so that I may be right. But, you know, we can't say, well, you know, I go to such and such church. Yeah, what did you do for me? Oh, but pastor, whatever. You know, I've served him many years. Okay, what did you do for me? And, you know, it's going to be nothing that we can say that, you know, unless we have done right in Christ or did what he called, we're not going to know. I know it's that moth in here or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry I left the door open or whatever and it just came in. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm not trying to make anyone scared. The point I'm making is is that God means what he says. Right, and, you know, we need to know this. So let's get started in Philippians uh, chapter 3. I want to start there first. Philippians chapter 3. And see, and and some people will hear this and think, okay, he started right off the top about what people are doing and what they're not doing. Don't you understand that God is love? Of course I know God is love. That's not even the subject. But some people would feel like, man, you're not loving if you talk about this. I do love is why I am talking about this. I want everyone to be saved. You know, we can't just assume, you know, well, I'm all right with Christ, you know. Well, we'll get into all this, but Philippians 3, oh, it's actually, let's see. It's Philippians 2. I'm sorry, guys. Too bad. I mean, I'm glad we didn't have to go too far. Philippians 2, and we'll start at verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any, I mean, if any comfort of love, If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye may be, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, he began to talk about Jesus Christ first. He began to talk about fellowship in the Spirit and to comfort one another in love. Verse 2 says, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. 
Now, we've covered the study of love before, you know, and that word for love is agape. Now, you know that Paul was known to hold nothing back for the people. What could you say about Paul that was not like Jesus Christ? Okay, let's just say Jesus was the perfect love. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for you and I. And if you read Hebrews 12, it says that he counted it as joy, that he was able to endure the cross for you and I and generations to come. Okay, now that was the love of Jesus Christ. But if you examine Paul's life, what did he do that was really that different from Jesus? Okay, he was never crucified. That's one thing you can say. He didn't have a crown of 72 thorns on his head. Okay, he didn't maybe perform as many miracles as Jesus Christ had done. But what did Paul do? He was jailed. He was beaten. He was, what did he say, 200 stripes lashed upon his back. Mm -hmm. He went starving. He went cold. He went naked. He went everywhere that he could go to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you can say that Paul gave everything he had in pursuit of eternal life. Now, Jesus didn't do it for eternal life. Jesus did it that we may have eternal life. But what Paul is talking about here is being of one mind, of one accord. If the Bible says that perfect love casteth out fear, then how can we, and I say we because I'm guilty of it too at times, how can we walk by our brother and not deliver the gospel, knowing where that person is going, not knowing Jesus Christ? Okay, now let's not even talk about going to jail for anybody. Let's not talk about dying for the cause. But how much love do you and I have in us, knowing that we know Jesus, and we watch people just walk on by, and we won't say a word to them. Mm -hmm. We wait for the right time and opportunity to speak to one individual. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, is look how many people we pass every day that are on their way to hell. But we're busy. We got stuff going on. I got somewhere to be. I might offend. I might do this. I may do that. Well, I am kind of scared. But, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, I'll do it. But you see, that's not the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus was to do what he did for everyone that wanted him. Jesus went to Capernaum. He was in Galilee, Caesarea Philippi. You know, he went all over the place to preach the gospel. Paul went to Rome. I mean, Paul was everywhere to preach the gospel. So this is what you would call perfect love because no matter what these guys endured, they loved their brother. They weren't concerned for self. Mm -hmm. They were worried about what, you know, what they're talking about here, you know, perfect love. And this is why he said, fulfill ye my joy. If the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, then it's no wonder that Paul can be in prison dying, about to be offered up to be sacrificed. And Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. And, you know, that's a good time to say, I, I, I. Because, you know, you know, love is not selfish. It's selfless. But Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So he knew, man, there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me because I gave the Lord what he had. And we got to examine Jesus when he talks about, you know, Jesus, he really was the Lord of the Old Testament. He might not have been the father, but he was definitely the Lord of the Old Testament. Why? If you look at it, he found Peter, Matthew, John, all of those people in the world. You can say he went into Egypt and he found them. Matthew was up there ripping people off at the tax collector's office. 
Peter was fishing, you know, for a living. You had all these guys doing what they were doing. And Jesus came and found them. I'll make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. And they all followed. So he pulled them from the world first. Then they wandered with him three and a half years in the wilderness. Now, of course, they went from town to town. It wasn't the physical wilderness, but they relied on the Lord for everything. And that's why he says, did you lack anything when you were with me? Nothing, Lord. They were in the wilderness. When he died, you know, was buried, resurrected, and he called out the Holy Ghost upon his people. Oh, man, that was the promise for sure. Why? Because they were like Christ. They were full of the Spirit. They were in that land of milk and honey. Now, that's why, you know, they call it milk and honey. It sustains you. And, man, salvation is sweet. To save other people is a sweet action. You know that feeling you get when you stand for the Lord? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know you stood on His truth? And you can feel that mantle come over you? And the Lord is like, Amen. Good job. That's the sweet part that you get of offense or, or, you know, that discomfort you get before trying to deliver people the truth. So this is what he's talking about. So Jesus led his people from, the, um, from Egypt into the wilderness and unto the promised land. You know, but there's always got to be one like Judas, you know, like some of those others. They turned back. They were not going. You know, Judas was a thief. You know, he was stealing from the money bag while he was with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You can't get more bold than that. So the Lord is talking about one mind here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So what we understand here is he's saying, you know, don't try and like hurt people or argue with people about stuff. Or, you know, I want to show this person the truth that they might be hurt. That's strife. Because if, if the overall goal is to win a soul, then what you are saying is in love. It's not about what tone you use. It's where your heart is. How do you feel when you're saying it? Because I've been guilty of this, especially early on in my walk with the Lord. I would come and find some truth and then look at the person. How are you going to debunk this? I have shamed your God and I prove that my God is above yours. That's strife. Okay, now I'm not saying that what the act that was done wasn't wasn't right. Yeah, you expose them to the truth, but you did it to one up them. Okay, so the Lord doesn't want us doing that for vain glory, because we ought to preach the gospel and not care about it one way or another. You know, we ought to deliver the package like the mailman. You can have the worst news in your life in that package. Guess what? The mailman, oh, could you sign right here, sir? And you know that your letter is coming, that you're about to lose your house. He's not concerned for that. Sir, can you sign right here? Thank you. All right, have a good day. And he walks off. You know, he's not, what's in the package? Let me see. Are you going to be okay behind this? Do you need a few bucks? And if day one does that, you know the Lord sent him directly. All right, so it says, no vainglory. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Bingo. This is just what I was talking about concerning we're not supposed to look after our well-being. Mm -hmm. That comes second. The first love is to love your neighbor. How are you eating? Are you getting along okay? Can I talk to you about Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, may I pray for you? You see, God's church is selfless. So he wants people to mind others. Jesus didn't come here for his own accord. Jesus didn't have to. He was sitting in glory with the Father. 
He came for you and I that we may be lifted up. And this is why you love the Lord first and you love your neighbor second. If you love the Lord, you care what he thinks, what you do on a daily basis. If you love your neighbor, hey, I've got to see how he's doing. I've got to preach the gospel. I've got to show him, you know, and talk to him. This is important. His eternal life is important. Now, whether or not they reject it, that's on them. But have we done what we were called to do? Mm -hmm. All right. So he says, don't look to yourself. Look for others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Selfless love. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So Jesus could have come down here sparkling white, gleaming in great power and glory and just said, guys, hang on to my coattail and I'm taking you guys up and in. In so many words, he did do that, but he came to serve. He didn't come to, you know, just rule over others. That was going to be given to him by the father anyway. But imagine the God of glory that had all these different things that he could have done. He came down and made himself less than the angels to serve you and I. You can't beat love like that. And if it talks about in verse 2 that we need to be of one mind, one accord, then we've got some work to do on our hearts. We need to be like Christ. There's no shame in that, but we got to understand that Jesus Christ is the standard. Not your pastor, not your friends, not the people that you sit next to and amen and hallelujah with. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the standard. Exactly. Okay, so that's what's most important. What did he do? What does he think? What does he command us to do? Verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, a lot of us wouldn't really understand what this is like unless we just imagine you having nothing to do with someone else's bad circumstances or how they ended up or what they did. Mm -hmm. But somehow you intervening on this person's behalf after you told them what trouble would come their way. And you intervene for them, and it's going to cost you a lot of pain and suffering and your life so that they may live. How many of us can really say that we would do that? Mm -hmm. How many of us can really say, well, yeah, absolutely, that's what a Christian does. You know, we try and do things and have it not cost us anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the God that we serve. Exactly. We've got to be in it for the people. Jesus did, gave it all for us. Wherefore, God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth Amen. and things That's under right. the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So what we understand here too concerning Jesus is that the Father exalted him because of his humility, because of his obedience unto him. And you see, if we all want to be exalted, I'm not mad at Henry Groover for going around and everybody's dying to see him. And, you know, Henry is out there blessing and talking to people. And it just seems like, man, wherever he go, wherever he goes, he's going to have a big crowd. Well, you know what? I'm not one to say who's worthy of what, but the Bible does make clear that a servant of the Lord is worthy of his meat. Mm -hmm. And Henry Groover is worthy of his meat. Mm -hmm. The man died a couple of times. The guy was covered from head to toe with tumors and cancer and telling people, I am not sick. 
And the doctor is like, sir, you're delusional. You're about to die. He said, I am not sick. And, you know, because of the name of Jesus and the Lord that was in Henry Groover, that cancer had to fall off of him because it had no dominion over the name, which is above every name. But, I mean, Henry has put his life on the line. See, everybody's looking at the kind old man and cracks jokes and, oh, he's such a wonderful guy. But look at the price that Henry paid. Look at what Henry has done. If I could even do half of the things that the Lord had him do, man, I would die a happy man. But see, even Henry Groover is not the standard. Henry's not special. Henry is an example of what a Christian should be. Amen. That's it. That's right. It's got nothing to do with, oh, Henry. Oh, Jesus Christ and Henry does a, does a glorious job. So... We have to look at it from that standpoint that Jesus Christ is the standard. Verse 11, um, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so... You know, salvation is one great big joke to a lot of us. You know, I, I, I don't know if Martin, you ever seen that video with the, um, I sent you with what was going on in Iran with the, the boy that was hung and beat up there for, for representing Jesus Christ? Because I think 80%, I think there's only 800,000 Christians and I, I think or, it's 80,000 80, and it's like 880 million Muslims in, um, in Iran. But this guy, you know, those guys are undercover for real. They can't just go and pray out in the open. They're out there worshiping the Lord. You know, the guy said he was beaten, tied up, and all they wanted him to do was to deny Jesus. Well, this guy, you know, hung, clung to the faith. The judge overturned it. He was sent home. And he said, you know, I'm just grateful that I got to glorify Jesus in being like this. See, the reason why our love is not perfected is because we live in America. Because real trouble hasn't come our way yet. Yep. But see, once that happens, you start to recognize what's most important. You start to really see things as in, hey man, you know, trouble is every day. I don't have time to have the luxury of sitting on my couch and doing what I want. Man, I need to get busy for the kingdom. And that's why when the church is, is finally persecuted as a whole... What's going to happen is we're going to find out who's real and who's safe and who was faking it all the time. You know, that's what it's going to boil down to is who's for real and who's not. So he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This doesn't sound like, you know, like Kesarasara, everything is fine, no big deal. How are you? Oh, brother, I'm blessed in Jesus' name. I mean, you know, you might very well be, but the point is. We can't get into all these religious sayings. Do you know the Lord? Does he speak to you? Has he used you in, in, in situations where it was necessary to glorify him? These are things that we need to ask ourselves because fear and trembling, man, that's nothing short of what David did. David went out there before Goliath. The Bible doesn't say David was scared, but if I was facing a 10-foot individual, 13-foot whatever, and I meant... You know, he came out there for real. I think David knew, hey, regardless of what, I'm not concerned for me. He blasphemed my God. Exactly. And that's all it took for David to say, the Lord is going to do this. And he believed in the Lord. But to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, it sounds like 
we can't afford to play games, that we need to take our salvation seriously, that it should be on your mind every day how you're serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. You want to know if you're born Amen. again? It, it's going to cross your mind at least once, at least once a day, is the Lord pleased mm -hmm. with what I have done today. I'm not saying you're trying to earn anything before him. I'm saying a born-again believer is conscious of God. He is conscious of what the Lord thinks. Every action that he does, man, if the Holy Ghost lives in you, he's going to tell you if it's right or wrong. Yep. You know, you're going to know this. It's like a covenant, your covenant with the Lord, that's your relationship. You're always going to want to know what pleases that other person. Absolutely. You know? Right. If you're in relationship, just like any other relationship in this world, mm -hmm. you know, we've got to do that. So that's why I went here to start out that salvation is an individual affair. It cannot be faked. It can't be mentally ascended to. Either we are saved and we are growing in grace in Christ or we are not. Mm -hmm. But one thing we cannot do is put ourselves in the 10th grade if we're really in the first grade. That's right. Because, you know, eventually it will shine through. Let's go to John 15. John 15, we'll start at verse 17. Jesus is going to say something really important here, and that's why, you know, I don't, I guess you don't hear a lot of jolliness in my voice and, you know, everything else, but I just look at it like, you know, this world provides enough entertainment. There's enough here to please your senses and your feelings. God says that deep calleth unto deep, so he works with your spirit. There is no way to preach the real gospel and to not offend. Mm -hmm. That is not true. When Henry Groover preached on Sunday, yeah, you had, I could tell when the crowd was offended because they said nothing. When Henry was saying all the other things, they were, yes, amen, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. But the moment Henry said, you know, some people are out here teaching that you don't need to repent to serve the Lord, I could just feel that vibe. Mm -hmm. Like, oh boy, somebody's been listening to Joseph Prince and some of these other guys. But the yep. point is, is that he said things about going out there and, and, and doing whatever. But, you know, the Lord wants us to be busy. That's right. There were things that Henry said that, you know, kind of hit me there. But I'm like, you know what? That only makes me want to strive more to do more for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not the concern. Am I a good enough vessel to carry the Lord? That's the biggest concern. Not my feelings. Are you kidding me? Oh, he hurt my feelings. This is not a personal issue. This is spirit to spirit. Can God use you is what is necessary. That's all that matters. You know, people take it personal. All right, John 15 and verse 17, and it says, These things I command you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He's making it clear that a Christian and someone of the world are two different people. When you're a Christian, it's going to be obvious to people. People are going to be mad at you for no reason. And it's only because they see Christ in you. I'm not saying though everybody will hate you. I mean, if everybody hates you, something's wrong with you. But the point is, is that... He's saying that the world will reject and refuse you because of who you represent. All right. So then he says, uh, verse uh, 20, 
Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So Jesus is comparing his church unto him. Okay, he's comparing that yeah, he is the bridegroom. He, he suffered for our sake. And if we are going to be the bride, then we need to be like him. And this is why he's saying, if it happened to them, it's going to happen to you. Believe me, guys, if we were really doing everything the Lord said, we would all not be sitting here saying, how was your week? Mm -hmm. Somebody would be in jail. Someone would be fired from their jobs. Someone would get pushed off into another country doing something else. Mm -hmm. Some of us may even be murdered. That is the truth as yeah. far as pre... I mean, and let us let me say this. The Lord is always in charge. The Lord decides what happens with what. But the point I'm making is, is that if we're really going to be used. Some people can say, well, that sounds extreme because I preach the gospel and I'm not offended. Or, or no one is offended by me. Are you sure you're preaching the gospel? Because everyone that I've ever preached to, whether they came to Jesus or not, they were offended at what was said. What's, more, what's not offensive about preaching on sin? Or, or you're telling someone their need for Jesus because of how wretched we all are. I mean, to the carnal mind, you're going to be offended by that because you're telling me that I need to be different. You know, so the, the gospel is like otherworldly wisdom. It's not going to compute with the world. It's going to take miraculous work of Jesus Christ to bring people unto the truth. That's how he found you and I. It had nothing to do with me or whomever. It's because the Lord wanted you and he spoke his truth to you. Right. But you guys didn't have to receive it. You could have said, man, I ain't hear anything like that before. That's all trash. This guy's just crazy. That's what his problem is. And you could have gone on. But as you accepted the truth in Christ, the Lord worked with you. That's just the way it is. All right, let me make my point. So he says, But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not uh, had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. So you see, sin hides in kindness, in gentleness, in tolerance, in coexisting. You see where sin hides? Sin hides in political correctness. It's not appropriate to say that. We need to be kind and cordial to one another. I am being kind. I'm telling you about your need for Jesus. Some get saved by the preaching of the gospel, you know, straight out. Others get saved with compassion. There is no ideal way to win a soul than to accept the words of the Holy Ghost that lead you unto what to speak. It's not about right or wrong. And this is where a lot of churches have gone on point because they'll say, well, you need to be nice and gentle with the person and speak to them. You know what? I tried it. And what happened to me? I found that the devil was taking the fight out of me and I became cowardice. Now, everyone else's experience may be different. But see, when I started hearing about don't offend, love the sinner, hate the sin. Well, you know, our job is to love everybody in Christ. But then why did Jesus turn to the Pharisees and say, you are of your father, the devil, and of your father, you will do. He didn't say the spirit in you. He said, you are of your father. And in a lot of cases, you know, people try and skip um, you know, they try and take the person away from the spirit. 
if the spirit indwells the person, that person is given that spirit a legal right over them. Yeah, your battle is not with the person. Your battle is with the spirit. But what ends up happening is people will look at the face and see the person and feel like you owe him something. So you're going to be kind to the individual that's bound by the demon. And that's not how it works. There are times you may have to profess something to that spirit and a person might get offended and they may get hurt and they may not be able to sleep at night by what was said. But it questioned where they are and where they need to be with Christ. That's how strongholds get broken down. Because what the enemy will do is, I'm telling you, he's trying to take the fight out of a Christian. A 2017 Christian will not say anything to anyone unless they, you know, do a kind gesture towards the individual. And then it's, oh, brother, um, I don't want to say much, but I just want you to know that God loves you and that... You know what? You can't find anyone in this Bible that spoke that way, including Jesus. Jesus spoke the truth and what needed to be said. If the Holy Ghost says to show compassion, show compassion. And see, what it means by kindness is it's not you against them. It is Jesus Christ trying to set captives free. But if we're looking at it like, man, if I said that, that they'll go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus... Man, I'm, I'm offensive. I need to be kinder. Did, is not what you said the truth. That is getting down to the nitty gritty. Now, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Okay, so the Holy Ghost is going to lead you unto, maybe a kind gesture will do it. Maybe speaking bold in the truth will do it. But you have to be led of the Spirit in all affairs. But don't think for one second if the Spirit tells you to be bold and say these words mm -hmm. as He commands you to, that that's not God. Don't exactly. believe that. Okay? Because there are many times God had to say what needed to be said that others might believe. Exactly. He turned to His own servant Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, because thou savorest not the things that be of God, but are of men. There was nothing wrong with saying that if the Spirit tells you to. Because at times yeah. people need that to penetrate right through that stronghold. And it's like the Holy Spirit just wants to break it down. So he's like, fire with both barrels. Don't hold back. They need this broken right now. One question to everybody. <clears throat> if this is God's church, okay, and we've got a church on every corner, and everybody is preaching more love today than any other time in history. Why are things getting worse? Mm -hmm. Why is it getting worse? Why is the spirit of Antichrist growing? Come on, because no one wants to offend. No one wants to tell anyone what they need to know. Exactly. The, the disciples didn't run from their responsibility. They preached to be more bold. When they were commanded not to do these things or they would be thrown in jail or whatever, they, they prayed, Lord, make us more bold to preach the gospel. Why? They were Christ conscious. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be conscious of what man feels. You're conscious of what God tells you you need to feel. Amen. Sanctify feelings. But anyway, this is the point. Verse 24. Uh, if I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had, not, they had not had sin. And now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. So these people weren't going to accept him no matter what. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. 
But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, uh, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. You know what that word for bear witness is? It's the Greek word marturio. Okay, and it has several meanings here, and I just want to read one or two. But Jesus is telling us what would befall us, or, or, you know, what would happen. Now, some would say, wasn't he just talking to the disciples? Jesus said, what I say unto you, I say unto all. You know, so if he was just talking to the disciples about eternal life, then that means that why are we even trying? What is the point in even speaking in tongues or doing what the Lord tells us to do? You know, we've got to see it from the way the Lord says it. Okay. This word here, shall bear, bear witness, it's G3140, the Greek word is marturio, and it says, to be a witness, to bear witness, to affirm that uh, one has seen or heard or experienced something, or that he knows it because uh, he was taught by divine revelation or inspiration, to give, not to keep back, testimony, to utter honorable testimony, give a good report. Conjure, implore. This is Strong's definition. Charge, give evidence, bear record, have obtained of good, honest report, be well reported of testified, uh, testify, give, have uh, testimony, uh, be, bear, um, give, obtain witness. Okay, so he's talking about bearing it, you know, bearing witness. Okay, yeah, I'm telling you the truth, but what's going to happen behind this truth? The Greek word is marturia, where we get the word martyr. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Even if it meant that in preaching the gospel, that is your being a witness. I'm not saying you're going to be martyred, but this is where the word comes from is being a witness. If I'm a witness for Christ then the chips fall where they may. Mm -hmm. Hey, I preach the gospel, sudden death, sudden glory. I preach the gospel, I'm in prison, now I can work for the Lord. Okay, so he's just telling them that, you know, that the comforter would come and they would be bearing witness of Christ. If the Holy Ghost lives in you, how could you not talk about Jesus? See, and this is why the Lord wants us to have a full filling, because we may have the Holy Ghost, but the Lord wants to keep you filled to the brim. He wants to keep you bursting forth. That's why Paul said to be instant, in season and out of season. Why? You don't know when you're going to be called upon to the Lord to perform a miracle or, or proclaim his name. If we're his witnesses, you know, witnesses open their mouths. Witnesses do what he says to do. Mm -hmm. But the reason I went there, too, is that was a key point. But look at, um, let's go to John 16, which is right next door. Now, he said everything that he just said. Look at verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. So he's telling you what befalls you or what we would endure or have to do for his name's sake. Now, what would be more offensive than you going out preaching something that Jesus didn't tell you would happen and it happened? You know what you would say? Oh, man, no more of this Jesus stuff. Mm -hmm. Look at what happened to me. And I thought everybody was supposed to love me, but everybody hates me. No more of that. So the Lord is telling you ahead of time so you won't be offended. Hey, Jesus said this was going to happen. More truth to confirm that God's word is true. He tells us this to have more faith. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. 
These things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said, not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. So he was there with them, and he was doing the works. So you see, they were all on board with Jesus, and you know, they were like pretty much watching, learning, and training. But he said that, you know, he wanted them to remember that because, but he didn't want to tell them a lot because he was with them. But now I go my way with to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow, sorrow hath fulfilled your heart. Now, Jesus said that he would go unto the father. But if you go back to 15, that wasn't all Jesus said. Jesus said, too, what would befall them? What would happen to them? They would bear witness for him, and they would, they, they would be persecuted. So it's kind of like, man, he's laying a heavy, you know, all this information. When we were with him before, he never mentioned this stuff. He was just showing the good works of him. And now he's delivering all this stuff to us because he's at his end. So what is he trying to tell us? So this is a lot to take in. But he says... Uh, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. So you guys may hurt, but nevertheless, the Lord tells us the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, the comforter, of course, is the Holy Ghost. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So I want to make one other point here. And the reason I'm going here is because, you know, I want to be made clear concerning the word reprove. Okay, because reprove, you know, it doesn't sound like much. Like, well, you know, you just tell them whatever. Yeah, that sometimes that might be all it means. But when he talks about reprove, where am I in verse? Uh, um, reprove is in verse 8. Okay, I'm here. So this is G1651, and the Greek word is uh, eklingo, eklinko, and it says to convict, refute, confute, generally with the suggestion of shame of the person convicted, by conviction to bring to the light, to expose, to find fault with, correct by word, to reprehend severely, chide, admonish, meaning warning, reprove, to call to account, show one his fault, demand an explanation by deed to chasten, to punish. Mm -hmm. So you see it's broad. Now, it doesn't have to come to all of that. If a person receives a correction or the Holy Ghost leads you on to, hey, you know that was wrong, let's just get it right. But when he talked about the Holy Ghost would come to do this, the church wouldn't dare. And this is what I'm saying. How could this be God's church? If this is what reprove means, then the church is not doing it. Then is this God's church? Is the Holy Ghost really living in the believer that the world may understand? So now back to the question I asked, if everyone is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and in love, preaching more love today than ever before, why is sin progressing? Because there's no conviction anymore. They're preaching love void of speaking of sin, void of mm -hmm. telling people where they're wrong. And Jesus said, you represent me, you worship me in spirit and truth. You want to sing beautiful songs to me? Go ahead. 
You know, people will be uplifted. But if you think you're going to preach in the spirit void of the truth, that's not going to happen. No. Because Jesus Christ is truth. So there may come points when we need to tell people what's what. And I mean, if they get hurt, of course you can always go to them later. Hey, man, my goal is not to do this to you. But what I'm telling you is, this is true. But we've become, if you say that, you'll hurt them. Then you're not being a good Christian because God says love. What greater love of any man than he lay down his life for his friends? Exactly. But see, we won't bear that burden or responsibility because we want to be liked. Mm -hmm. So who do you think we really love? We love us. Yep. I want to be seen as the good Christian man before men. So I'm going to say all the right things to show God's love. But what if the Lord told you this is what you need to say? Thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you disobey. How can he use you? Exactly. You know, I'm not saying that you got to come at everybody hard. I'm not saying you got to come at anybody hard. But you obey the spirit when the Lord tells you more of Jesus, less of you and I. Because feelings will always get in the way of what the Lord wants to do. Right. The devil has learned how to play that instrument, which is our soul. He learns how to, hey, man, don't do that. He's been your friend forever. Why don't you just go? The Holy Ghost says no. He's into guns. He's into drugs. He's into whatever. Yeah, you grew up with him. You let him go after you already told him the truth. But you see what we'll do? I, I personally believe that I can continue to get through to him. And I'm not saying don't. If the Spirit leads you to, then do. But you see, Jesus says that don't throw, don't cast your pearls before swine. Because what happens is, he said, if you continue, they will trot you underfoot. Didn't he say that? Like, I think it's in Matthew, uh, Luke 10 or, or one of them. But if you continue to bug these people and they don't want you, you're setting yourself up for a snare. But if the Spirit encourages you to go, there were many people, Melissa, Sarah, you know, there were other people I had to stay in there and talk. Melissa said, I'll never talk to you again. You know, if you bring up Jesus one more time. But I went back and, all right, I promise I'm not going to say nothing about him. And then we would hang out and then I'm, but you know, Jesus Christ would, wouldn't do that, you know, and, and all this stuff. So, it, you know, it pried away, but the Spirit told me not to give up. But if the Spirit said, leave her alone, leave her alone. But we got to be that sensitive to what the Lord wants. Because, you know, remembering Lot's wife. Lot did not turn around and see where his wife was. God gave a commandment. This is what needed to happen. If Lot would have gone back, that would have been the end of everything. Exactly. You know, so we just got to stay obeying him. So he's going to, um, and it says, of sin, because they believe not. They believe not on Jesus. Of righteousness, because I go to my father of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So if we seriously want to set people free, man, we've got to get in the battle for people. And that is a part of our individual salvation. Why should you be saved for believing in Jesus, but you didn't do a thing that Jesus said to do? Mm -hmm. Why should you receive the reward and you watch people go to hell, but yet you, you, you want a first class ticket into heaven? How fair would God be to allow that? You knew the truth. You knew a storm was coming. You knew that the enemy was coming in here to destroy everybody. And you kept your mouth shut because you felt like it's not a Christian thing to do. I'm telling you, man, you know, I'm only trying to light a fire in everybody in here because I know what's happening to people. I know the image that's being painted. Don't say that. That's right. Don't do that. 
And how does anything get done? Don't you know that Satan is kinder than you and I? Don't you know that Satan can show more love than anybody in this room? Mm -hmm. You don't think Satan was kinder than Jesus? The Bible says Jesus spoke having authority. Satan came in a little soft whisper, a seducing spirit. You see, Jesus got a problem with you. He wants you to change. But see, I love you. I think that you're just a good person. And you know what? Don't let anybody pull you down to believing that you're not worth anything because you are worth everything. Because I love... You don't think the devil talks to people that way? And people, yeah, you're right. You know, because Jesus is always... You know, from what I see in the Bible, he's put me down. I always got to do something to try and prove. And if he was a loving God, why would he talk about hell? How many unbelievers have you and I talked mm -hmm. to that have told you those exact same words? How many have said to you, if your God is a God of love, how can he send anybody to hell? Don't you see what's going on? They're trying to paint Jesus out to be the bad guy. Exactly. When Jesus didn't cause the problem, he came to fix the problem that we all may be saved. But you see, the, the slave will always hate the free man or someone that wants to deliver him. All right, let's skip down to 20, uh, 20 um, uh, verse 32, because we don't have time to go through all of this. But he says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. So Jesus is telling people that he told his very disciples, Guys, you are not going to be with me. You are going to run and leave me because you don't have what it is in you to stand in this inferno. Mm -hmm. He warned them ahead of time, but they didn't want to believe that. But he was letting them know. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And the only way to walk this thing out with Jesus, we have got to die to self. That's, right. That's what's going to keep us on the path with Christ. If we die out to the world... You know, then there's nothing that the devil can entice you with. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to show you and I just how it's done. When the devil came offering him all the kingdoms of the world, he even told him food is more important than fasting. The devil tried to tell him, man, if you're really the son of God, cast yourself down and prove yourself to me. Jesus remained faithful. He gave us a playbook and exactly what to do. So, you know, this is what he's doing or he's telling us that we may draw closer to him. Now, Jesus didn't do anything different than what the Father commanded. The disciples didn't do anything different than Jesus did. The early Christians didn't do anything different than the disciples did. But what do we have today in 2017? We got internet. We have, you know, money, careers. We got all this stuff that we think is really something. And don't you see what it's doing? I'm not saying if the Lord put you someplace to do something in his name, I don't know what the Lord is telling anyone in here. The point I'm making is Jesus makes very clear in the parable of the sower, some would only go but so far because of this, that, or the third. So we've got to recognize what is it that's keeping us from serving the Lord to our full potential. And whatever that is, guarantee you it is the enemy of God and God is you know his grace is working with us but I think over time when we grow with the Lord he's going to start peeling back things in your life 
One day you're just going to be sitting somewhere doing something you think is important, and you're going to say, you know what? I just want to do more for Jesus right now. I don't want this anymore. I'm going home. I'm going to do what the Lord is telling me to do. Why? Because the spiritual world, the kingdom of God, the Holy Ghost, you're more conscious of now than this. You understand you've been played over here. No matter how much money you got, no matter what you've done, no matter how many worldly people told you they loved you, no matter how many promises the government gave you that something is yours, you know all you got to do is not pay the taxes on it, or in a collapsed economy, they'll reclaim your property and then tell you, well, you need to figure something else out. But we can't do it here. The devil is what you would call an Indian giver. We used to use that word when we were young. You know how they gave the Native Americans the land and decided to take it back. They promised, but they never kept it. So nothing in this world is sustainable. Only Jesus Christ and what he wants us to do is. And when we come to that reality, believe me, you're going to lose a taste for so much here. The things of this world are going to grow strangely dim. I was someone that wanted to make it big on Wall Street. I wanted to be that guy where I was just like, man... This is what I want to do in my life. The Lord had other plans. You know, and he used somebody to do it. But you know what? That's the way things go. So anyway, let's move on. Let's go to um, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll start at verse 1. Did you see the closer David got to Goliath, there was a whole army of men standing behind him. Gideon's army, 32,000 men, all signed up and enlisted for war. The Lord told Gideon, ask the people, fearful and unbelieving, turn back. 22,000 people out of a 32,000-man army, they said, man, let's get out of here. You know, they cut out. What was left? 10,000. So the Lord told Gideon, have them all drink water. Tell them to go to the brook and drink. They all went to the brook and drank. Some were down, laying down, laughing like dogs. Others were on their knees receiving water. The Lord made it clear to Gideon, those people bowing, those are idol worshipers. They won't even get down. See, they practice getting on their knees. So you know what? Get rid of them and, and take these 300 men that will lap like dogs because those people have shown enough humility that they won't hold anything back from Jesus. Mm -hmm. You see, part of why we don't serve the Lord is because we think that we're somebody. And we are in Christ. But the point is, is we want to be somebody. We're important to the world. We care how we are perceived. But if you really didn't care about those things, you would only care what Jesus wanted. Exactly. So these men, you know, they went down, laughed like dogs, idol worshipers, get rid of them too. And it's funny how Gideon's army, if you look at that, and you look at Revelation 21, when he talked about those who would not go into the kingdom of God, you know, it was the fearful, the unbelieving, the idolaters, the adulterers, you know, and all those people, liars, fornicators, whoremongers, those people would not go in. So God only uses those who he can use. If we yield our vessels to him, the Lord will do a mighty work for you and I. But our biggest struggle and why we don't go after our salvation like we could is because we think that this, what we call reality, is real. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Nope. None of it is. You know, and I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble. I'm just letting people know so you know. No matter what you're building, no matter what you're working for, no matter what it is you want to accomplish, if it's not for Jesus Christ, it is pointless. Exactly. It is a moot point. All it's doing is got you here. 
but your la your race, the track is over here. Mm -hmm. But see, if I can keep you here, then, you know, there's nothing to worry about. The devil doesn't want you to run your course. And whatever it takes for him to get you away from Jesus, he will do. Exactly. Think about it. When Solomon said all is vanity, he wasn't lying. You know, everything that we do is for us in this life or someone we love. You know, so it's never for God. Exactly. Point, count out one thing that we do in this world for the Lord. Seriously, that we do in everyday life. And, and, and ask yourself if the Lord is interested in that. He's not. He's only interested in a willing vessel. I'm not saying, guys, what to do and what not to do. If God, we all grow in grace, okay? We don't get to certain points overnight. I know that. But I'm just saying, eventually, the Lord, if he's, if we're getting closer to him, we're getting farther away from the world. Mm -hmm. The one thing that the Lord is not going to do is tell you, enjoy life here, and I'll take care of you, you know, when you, you know, when everything works out. You're going to be the best you can be here, and you're going to represent me. There wasn't one person in this Bible that did that. Exactly. You all suffered some persecution or something. Amen. You know, Second uh, Timothy, right, chapter two, mm -hmm. and verse one, and it says, "Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace." So we are where now in the grace period with the Lord. He is saying to be strong. So this is not a place for the occasion of the flesh that we may do what we want to do. We have to be led of the Lord too. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, uh, who shall be able to teach others also. Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier." So we can't be caught up with the affairs of this life to please the Lord. This is what Paul is saying. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So master, masteries are kind of like, you know, in anything you do, he's speaking of here, that if you're going to run a race, if you're going to be in the Olympics, if you're going to graduate from college or high school or whatever, you know, that you plan to do, whatever goals you set forth, you know that you can't do any of those things in the world unless you play by the rules. Nobody is going to give you a diploma for sitting home doing nothing. And every time there's homework or there's a test, you report it when you feel like it. Expect to fail. But if you want that crown for masteries, whatever the degree is, whatever it is, you got to play by the rules. Verse 6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. What fruits? Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, you know, and, and uh, gentleness. But see, when you start talking about long-suffering, hey, that can't be a fruit of the Spirit, because, I mean, it's supposed to be for good. Verse 7, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So he's saying, Consider it, and the Lord will make it clear. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. 
even unto bonds, which is like in prison, but the word of God is not bound. So Paul said, wherever I am, I'm going to preach the word of God. But he said, you know, it's funny how he mentioned fruit. But the first thing he talks about here is, I suffer for bringing forth the truth. And if you present the gospel, you're going to be seen as an evildoer. This guy's just breaking up the whole party talking about Jesus. Why can't he have fun? Why is he always trying to bring people down? We're talking about eternal life. See, if, if the thought of eternal life bothers you, then you really got to even question if you're saved. Mm -hmm. Because you may love this world more than you love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And see, if I'm telling people that one day this world's going to be destroyed and nothing here belongs to you, which is true. But if it hurts, you have a love for the world still. Yeah. And, you know, even I, to some degree, I can say do. Because, you know, even though I get in trouble and I get fired and all these things happen, but I'm still doing some work in the world. Now, have I become bold enough to get fired for Jesus? Absolutely. But the Lord doesn't even want me. At some point, I can feel it. He wants to pull me from that altogether that I may do what he says to do. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway, so he mentioned that he suffered for Christ. And he said, but the word of God is not bound. Verse 10, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, and they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So why does he endure all things? For the elect's sake. So he loves his brother. Okay, he's doing the will of the Lord that they may also obtain salvation. This is the heart of Jesus. Verse 11, it is a, a faithful saying, uh, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Hey, I'm not saying this. I'm reading this from the Bible. Yep. If we die like Jesus died, and I don't mean physical death. If we die out to the world and the desires of the world, that we may live with Christ. Okay, I'm not making this up. Verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So what is important? <laughs> we need to preach the gospel. Exactly. Because if he represents us before the Holy Father, then we need to represent him before sinful man. I think that's a good trade-off. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't even have to, but he's before the Father day and night. Father, forgive them. Father, they're with me. Father, give them a little bit more time. Father, I'm taking dominion over this situation. I know he's a sinner, but I know he's coming along. You think the father's going to object? Hey, son, I put authority in your hands for this. Preach on. Do what you need to do. Intercede for your people. The father wouldn't expect any less of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus represents him. You get what I'm saying? If the love of God the father is, is um, in Jesus Christ... Jesus is going to intercede for you and I. Yep. The Father is who sent him after all. Mm -hmm. So there's no problem between the two. Jesus is only doing what he saw his father do. Okay, Dad, you gave me for the world. I'm going to pray and intercede for the world that you gave me. It makes perfect sense. Jesus is up there interceding daily. Mm -hmm. When the devil comes to try and, you know, speak negative against you, man, throw him in hell. He's slothful or whatever. And the Lord is, I ain't going to say talk to the hand, because I know it's like, but the Lord will say, get thee behind me, Satan. I've got authority over this. You don't have a right to judge this man. 
Okay, because the devil is, you know, that's his plan to destroy us. So it says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So Jesus is going to be faithful to those who are faithful to him. Mm -hmm. Now, does he have love and mercy for us? Absolutely. But it makes clear here that we need to speak up for our Lord. Verse 14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to shew thyself approved unto God. Unto the Lord. The Lord is expecting you and I. We may not know all this Bible, but he's expecting us to be able to explain this and to know this word. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the Lord wants us to be able to know this book. This word should live in us. I think Ken Hovind said that we live long enough. He said if you read the Bible every day, that you should be able to read um, Old Testament to New and finish it, what, three or five times in a year? So the Lord wants us to get this word in us that we may know it. You know, because there's not going to be any Bibles to read from in the future. Exactly. Okay, they're going to burn all that stuff. We need to be able to have Christ in us. Mm -hmm. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. So, you know, profane and vain babblings, you know, going into things, accepting compliments that you know belong to the Lord. You know, just getting in our in ourselves, you know, and, and listening to things like a pre-trib rapture. You know, guys, you're going to get out of here because God has not appointed you unto his wrath. You are absolutely correct. But he has appointed you unto Satan's wrath. There's a big difference here. Satan is going to go after the church of God. And God is going to allow him because we need to be tried in a furnace of afflictions. That when we get through this tribulation, all Jesus is going to see is Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. How will God know if we're serious, if we run from every little thing we see? Yep. See, we can all sit around the Lord, oh, Jesus, tell me another story, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. And we're all in paradise with our shoes off, you know, just, just being with him. But see, how, do you, how does he know that you love him? But see, let trouble come and say, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Because if you do, I'm going to kill you. Now we're going to find out, hey, do you really believe in eternal life? Do you really believe in the love of the Lord? Because if you do, it doesn't matter. And that's why I love Henry Groover. He said, you can't kill me. Every time somebody threatened Henry, what he was talking about this Sunday, every time someone has something negative, hey, Henry, if you speak about homosexuality, you are going to go to jail for this and that. Praise God. Hallelujah. That he got to represent the Lord. Henry's love is real. It's not like he doesn't have a resume to prove that he doesn't love this way. He does. Man, that's real love. Was somebody going to say something? Or, I don't know. Maybe you were doing something with your hair. I thought you had your hand up. But, man, I want that kind of love. Verse 17. And their word will eat as doth a canker. And whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus? So he's saying the profane and vain babbling, the false gospel, man, will eat and do like a canker, like a, like a caterpillar, like a moth, like a worm, that it'll eat away at you instead of you learning in Christ, mm -hmm. getting stronger. Verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred, 
saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So you see, there, this, there's nothing new. This stuff was going on in the Old Testament. Don't worry. God's got it all. Jesus did it all. You don't have to worry about a thing. Jesus did complete the works, but the Bible makes clear he is the first fruits of his kind. Exactly. Meaning what? That there would be other fruit that would follow him. Mm -hmm. So, some, you know, these two guys, false prophets are lying and overthrowing the faith of some people. 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one uh, that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So the Lord knows those who were his. And that's why if you stumble unto the truth in Christ and you believe it, that is supernatural intervention. That is divine from heaven. Exactly. You got 7.4 billion people in a delusion. And you mean to say God came to you that you may know the truth that you might be saved. Man, come on. You know, it, there's, a, there's a special thing about receiving truth. Let's not turn from it no matter what it makes us feel. Mm -hmm. Verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every, every good work. So that means that anything that God needs to do with us, if we're not idolaters, if we're not idolizing ourselves, if we're not putting anything before the Lord, we are vessels fit for his use. Mm -hmm. And this is what people hide from people because they don't want them to know. They want you to relax in your salvation. If Jesus said that we have to fight our way into the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force, then how do you do that sitting down? Exactly. You've got to be in the fight. And if you're not in the fight, get prepared. Fast and pray. Ask, seek, and knock. Spend time with God. I'm not saying you got to, you know, put yourself in a dark closet, you know, with a candle for days and days. It doesn't even take that. Spend time, more time with Christ, less time with the world. Mm -hmm. The appetite that the old man has in you will die because he doesn't feed on Christ. He feeds on the pleasures of this world. Exactly. If those things get taken out, Christ will work in you and Amen. you can do the work for Absolutely. him. That's right. Praise the Lord. All right. So it says, verse 22. This is another problem we have. Flee also youthful lust. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So the Lord wants us to get rid of the useful things and throw away that nonsense. Grow up, you know, pursue me, recognize what's important, That's right. doing my will. Now, we all grow up in time the way the Lord wants our hearts pure, not halfway in the world. Mm -hmm. 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. Now, this is true. Some people want to argue about, is Jesus black? I could care less. Some people want to talk about, do you think there's a pre, post, or whatever rapture? You know what? Like like Martin said, and I heard um, you know, other pastors say, hey, whatever way it pans out, 
I mean, the, what is it, pan tribulation? Whatever way it pans out, you know, that's the way it's going to go. But my eyes are on Jesus, not on when I'm getting out of here. Exactly. So see, if you're focused on leaving, your mind can't be on Christ. Jesus didn't say anyone's going anywhere. All right, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. So these are fruit of the Spirit that we need to do. This does not mean don't tell people the truth. It's saying be gentle unto all men. Be kind. Be courteous. Talk to people. You ain't got to go preaching down somebody's throat. But if someone wants you to deny Jesus or not tell them the truth, it's all about leading on what the Spirit wants. Some people got saved with me just telling them the Lord loves them. Other people, man, you know what? You laugh right now, but you're going to hell. If you don't do what the Lord tells you to do or whatever, and some people will call you, Hey, man, I want to know Jesus Christ. See, you don't know which way that the Spirit will go. You know? And I'll tell you this. Look at this. Verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure, perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So what are we doing? We're doing what Jesus did. Jesus came to set the captives free. That's what we're coming to do in Christ. Bind up the broken heart in Christ. Heal them that are bruised in Christ. But people first have to know that there's nothing in this life that can can sustain you. When you really fall in love with Jesus is when you realize, man, there's nothing here for me. Absolutely nothing. I'm 41 years old, and you know what, right now, I just feel like there's nothing left for me but to get the, get the blood of Jesus, you know, get the, the full filling of the Holy Ghost and go and do the work. Yep. There's nothing left for me to do but to have Jesus Christ shine in me. Exactly. All right, I've been on Wall Street. I've made six figures. I've rubbed elbows with the Joneses. That's garbage, man. It's nothing. It's garbage. Mm -hmm. These people don't even think that their mess stinks. These people think that they're high and mighty, living high on the hog, taking vacation here and there and doing all this stuff. But see, the thing is, is that's not, I'm telling you, when you get to a point in your life that nothing here is going to make you happy, man, it's time to get full of the Spirit and be led by the Spirit of God to get into this war and do what He tells us. First Timothy chapter 1. I'm just recognizing, man, there is nothing here, <laughs> you know? And like Paul said, he had to even go against, who is it, Hymenaeus and Philetus, because they were preaching false gospel? Paul said, you know, I had to turn them unto the devil that, to teach them a lesson that they may not blaspheme. Now, this was a man of God talking, but these, these guys were leading people to hell. He said, I came to teach Hymenaeus and Philetus, whatever their names are, Philetus, a lesson. He said that the, um, they would be turned unto Satan until they learn not to blaspheme. Right. Now, see, you don't think Paul love was in Paul? You don't think Elimaeus, smitten with blindness when he approached Paul, was an act of God? See, we got to get realistic in what the Lord calls us to do. Some judgments are necessary, but understanding it is Christ in you who's judging. That's why the Bible says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, but he himself is judged of no man. Because who is going to judge Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ lives in you, who's going to tell you where you can't go, what you can't say, what you can't do? 
I mean, that's almost laughable. You're going to talk to the king of kings in me and tell him you better keep your mouth shut or you're going to lose your job. According to the Lord, you can do nothing unto me except what Jesus Christ gives you power to do. I mean, people would say that to their boss and see if Jesus Christ won't back you and see you'll still be there a few months. We got to stand on faith. But one thing we got to know is salvation is Christ in you exactly. and nothing else. Exactly. When God the Father, when the Holy Ghost comes back, or the Holy Ghost is preparing God's church, and Jesus Christ comes back, he's coming back for Christ in you. Mm -hmm. That's how insignificant you and I are. I'm not saying we're insignificant to him. He loves us. But what God wants is a vessel. He's not relying on you and I to do anything. God loves us. He is mindful of us. But he knows that in our fallen state, we can't do the job. But he knows who can. Because he sent him 2,000 years ago to complete a work that only you can do if you believe that your salvation is an individual affair, a love affair between you and Jesus. And the devil is going to do anything in this world to stop you from having that love relationship. Exactly. He'll use your kids against you. He'll use your mom against you. He'll take the iniquity within you and, and, and try and make you justify it that, that you don't need to do anything for Jesus. And there's a lot of people fooled by this. Mm -hmm. First Timothy chapter 1 and it says... Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Jesus Christ, who is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, let's just say, we know that Timothy is a young minister here, but let's just imagine for one minute that Timothy is unsaved. Paul is coming to Timothy in gentleness. He's saying, grace, peace be with you from God the Father and to Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? He approaches him with kindness. My son. Okay? He said all that. Now look at verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, and thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So let's just say I'm talking to a Catholic. I come to him with the truth. All right. This is peace from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, guys, um, you know what the Bible says. You shouldn't be teaching any other doctrine. Now, you say, I came in love and peace. But you see, if I'm an unbeliever and I don't like what you said, I'm now offended that you just said to preach no other doctrine. See, it doesn't take a whole lot to offend. All you've got to do is intrude in places where people have built strongholds, and the strong man in them is going to fight to preserve that stronghold. This is where you get the resistance. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith so do. So don't get turned unto fables and all this stuff. If you didn't hear it written in this Bible, if you didn't know anything like that, then there's no reason to even speculate on it, okay? I know what the Lord told me is the gospel. That is what I go according to. And if, and if Timothy was a Catholic, he wouldn't be into Mary. He wouldn't think that Mary can pray for you or intercede for you. He wouldn't think that the Pope that's going up there is somebody other than an older man needing salvation before his time is up. But you see, people can get offended in the gospel, and all you're bringing to them is the truth. 
See, you say, man, don't pay attention to lies and endless genealogies and stuff. Man, be turned on to the truth. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. We know this because the Lord says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So your faith has to remain. From which some have swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. So these people were trying to put people in bondage. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient and for the ungodly, and for sinners and for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound contrary to sound doctrine. So he's making clear here. He's telling Timothy all the things that are not getting in. Now Timothy could have chosen to say, Hey, you know, I'm involved in that somewhat. I don't like what you said. But what Timothy did was, you know, that he became a good minister at Ephesus. He was there for many years. He was actually the pastor over the church of Ephesus. Okay, so Paul led Timothy unto a good work. But Timothy didn't have to receive this. What did Paul say that was so bad other than the truth? And we've got to be able to rest on this and stand on that. You're not rude because you're telling people about sin. You're trying to save souls. Mm -hmm. According to the glorious gospel uh, and the blessed God, which was uh, committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for the counting, I mean, oh, for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, for was before who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So Paul's excuse for his sin was, I was an unbeliever. I didn't know this stuff. But now that I know, he's given the Lord the grace, the glory. And the grace of the Lord, which exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might shew forth all long suffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I, um, oh, it says, this charge I, Commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by um, them mightest war a good warfare. So he's telling Timothy this, that Timothy may war a good warfare. Now what a word to use for someone in, in the faith that's walking with Jesus. Paul tells us, of course, we need to wear the full armor. We learned later on, you know, that we read already, that no man that wars is going to be entangled in the affairs of this life. That is what you would call a perfect soldier before Jesus. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. 
but the goal is to eventually be like him. But he's telling Timothy these things that he might war a good warfare. So, you know, he's putting him in the battle, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So you see, you can't accept some of the truth. You have to ride with all of it that we may be right in Christ. I don't care how it hurts. I'm not married. I can't be a pastor. You think that bothers me? No. no. Why would I want to call myself a pastor, blaspheme the Lord and his word and go to hell as a rebel? Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. You want to obey what he tells you. Exactly. Verse 20, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, sorry for leaders, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So when people are speaking the false doctrine or not the right thing before God, you don't know what the Holy Ghost is going to tell you to do. But this doesn't sound very loving. But see, if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, like Jesus said, you can never be forgiven. Exactly. So we've got to recognize what blasphemy is. That's having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. People will tell you the gifts have ceased. They don't work. Oh, the Bible says a lot of things, but who's to say what is right and wrong? That's not what the Bible says. That all of this Bible is truth and to be taken as, you know, the inspired word of God. Not of any private interpretation. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1. And then I'm going to do one more thing and then I think I can. That's all right. Huh? I mean, 1 Peter 1, sorry. Hey, my mind's going elsewhere. Back on track. But I don't say these things to try and, like, hurt people. I really don't. I mean, cause, you know, that's why young people hate old people. Because old people will live their life and then tell you, you're not supposed to do that. We're towards the end. So when you were 25, can anybody have told you whatever? So I get it. But I think that the younger you are and you let Christ into your life, the further you can go beyond anybody that's your elder. Because I didn't know the truth in a lot of things until I turned 34. And even then, you know, the Lord was still grabbing that Brillo pad and scrubbing my butt clean. And he's still working on me. Okay, so it's not like anybody has reached perfection. But if you're young receiving this, I'm telling you, if I were you guys' age and I heard this, man, the pain that wouldn't have been in my life. All the things that I endured that I went through that I didn't have to. If I had listened, you guys are way, and I'm not trying to put you all on the spot as being young, but you guys are way ahead of your time as far as receiving the gospel. Even having an interest to be here when you can be off somewhere shaking your butt partying, you know, or doing whatever. But, you know, you guys are actually seeing this as, man, this is important. I have a thirst for God's word, you know. Man, that's, that's supernatural intervention to want that. Amen. First Peter chapter 1. I mean, First Peter chapter 1, yeah, 1. However that panned out, y'all know what I mean. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience, the sprinkling and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. So he's talking to the elect. He's talking to those who want Jesus and want to be made right. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy 
have gotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So this thing can't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. The question is, are you going to make your reservation? Do you want to go? That's all it boils down to. See, now, the one saved, always saved crowd will hear this and say, well, you know, guess we don't have to do it. It's reserved for us. He's talking to the elect that are sanctified by the Spirit that want to go. Mm -hmm. All right? But right after being cleansed and sanctified by the Spirit, it goes obedience, so you have to obey, mm -hmm. which is the whole that goes against everyone that says, once mm -hmm. saved, always saved. And then comes your grace and blood of Jesus, after the obedience to That's Christ. That's right, absolutely. But see, people overlook that, and then find one passage and say, ha, you know, this proves you can't lose it. And then why did he tell you preach the gospel? Why did he tell you that these things needed to be done in him? All right, so it says, uh, verse 5, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So God will not override your free will. They are kept in the power of God because they remain in Christ. Christ in them. They're not talking to people that do what they want. You have the mind of Christ. All right, verse uh, 6, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Man, aren't there some days where you wake up just praising the Lord and feeling like you whipped the devil? And then there's days you wake up, where are these thoughts coming from? Mm -hmm. Why am I now struggling to get on my knees and pray? You see, the flesh will come back on you and tell you, man, you, know, you prayed a long prayer last night. Man, you don't have time for that. Do what you need to do and get out of the house. But see you got to fight this because sometimes your flesh is not going to feel like praising the Lord. You have to train and have a disciplined life pointed towards salvation. Exactly. You know, you don't forget to talk. I mean, come on. You guys ever forget days to talk to one another? Martin and Laura? I mean, Mary, they're probably one of the closest couples I've ever seen. But the point is, is come on. Do you guys ever... Well, I'm not going to talk to Laura. Well, you know what I mean? You guys may have disagreements. But the point I'm making is... Do you ever just not consider one another in a day? I mean, do you ever not cross each other's minds in a day? That's almost impossible. Well, this is how close the Lord wants us, even closer than that. Mm -hmm. So it says, so he says, heaviness with manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than the gold uh, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So you see, he's comparing it to this gold that perisheth, that burneth, the things of the world. But he's comparing that to being more precious than that. Like, man, what I'm going to give you is eternal. What you, or, you know, a little glitz and glamour here, that stuff doesn't mean anything. Verse um, 8, that's verse 8. Uh, whom having not seen, ye love in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. So you want to keep your fire lit with Christ, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So at the end of your faith, 
at the end of your believing in Jesus Christ is the saving of your soul, your, the salvation of your soul, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Man, if we knew what we had, there's no way in the world you would throw that away. These prophets never saw what you and I see today. They never had it what we had. They believed. God spoke and they went off believing. They wished that they could have spoken tongues. They wished that they could have laid hands on the sick and they recover. They had to proclaim words of God. Now Elijah, of course, did this, but it was with the Lord outside of him. It was with Elijah's prayer that the Lord acted. But we're talking Christ in you. We've got the chance to be like Christ. So technically, and Lord forgive me, I'm not trying to blaspheme, if Jesus Christ is greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon, greater than Isaiah, greater than Jeremiah, greater than Moses is here, then what does that say about you and I? Where should we be on this scale with Christ mm -hmm. if we're Christians? Man, if Christ is in you, you think Moses parted the Red Sea? Man, that should be nothing compared to when that latter rain falls on a believer of Jesus. If Jesus was greater than they, and Jesus now lives in every believer, man, what are we holding back for? And you got this thing housed in you, but we're letting the cares of this life seal it up that it may never come out? Man, we've got to believe God and believe, man, this is the potential of what I could be. That's right, amen. Forget the world, you know. We're a work in progress. So it says in verse 11, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So Jesus, we read in John 16, held nothing back from the disciples. He told them what will come because he knew that he would bring the glory after 12. Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them uh, that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up thy loins of your mind, be sober, that means be serious, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be uh, brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. So you see, a believer and a world person are nowhere near the same. One has a lust to do worldly things. The other has a, has a, has a desire to serve and be like the Lord. He's talking about the old guy. Verse 15. But as, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You know, I was actually, I was actually looking for something else. But you know what? I believe the Lord just led me here. But what I was looking for was, um, it might be Second Peter 1, but it talks about, Yes, yes. Second Peter one, real quick. We'll start at verse. Uh, we'll start at verse one. I'm sorry, guys. And you know what? The other one had its point. 
But it's Second uh, Peter 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who had called us unto glory and virtue. So he's called us unto glory and truth. Okay, but that's all according to his divine power. Whereby are we given are we whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you see, he keeps talking about escaping this world and its lust and its corruption. But see, he says the precious promises. I'm going to show you how a lot of people read. They'll say, okay, great and precious promises that by these uh, you will be partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world and this and that. But they say, well, it says that ye might. So this thing is hanging in the balance. You either want it or you don't. It's a conditional statement. You might receive. He didn't say you will receive. You will if you do what he says as far as the corruption of the world. You know, through the world lust. Five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So it's not just having truth. You know that Jesus is the way, but we need to have the knowledge of God and to knowledge temperance. So if you know the truth in Jesus Christ and he's giving you this knowledge you can be peaceable and tolerant with people because you recognize they don't know. They don't know about eternal life. We're fighting with the devil here. This person is trouble with the world. I was once in a situation like that. So you can be patient towards people and teach them because your, your knowledge is broader. You're not dealing with flesh and blood alone. So it says, unto temperance, patience, and unto patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. See, everybody wants the love, but nobody wants temperance. No one wants patience. No one wants, you know, godliness. But everyone wants the love. You can't love void of the truth. You know, and a lot of people will preach to you lies and tell you they love you. Verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they, may, they make you that ye shall, excuse me, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this says it all here. We do believe that we are believers. I believe everyone in here is a believer. But guess what? That's not up to me. Right. That's up to Jesus Christ to determine who is who. But you see, along with that, he's saying we will be fruitful. We won't be unfruitful. So if we're unfruitful, what do you think is going on? means that we're not following after Jesus Christ. We're not being obedient. We're not walking out doing what he wants us to do. We're loving the world. Exactly. You know, there's something quenching the spirit that's keeping us from having this because we all believe that this is true. Mm -hmm. Come on, we all know that this is true. So if we're unfruitful, that's why I love what Gary Price said because people could say, yeah, me and the Lord are one and this and that. Pastor Price says, check the seat next to you. You ain't got nothing. Because if the life of Christ is in you, that life is going to be shared. Let's not get offended by that, man. This is all for us to, you know, get it right in Christ. Exactly. I could be winning more souls. I'm out there talking to people. My numbers should be higher. 
Perhaps Derek needs to draw closer to Christ. I got no issue with that. I'm telling us what is wrong and what we're working on here. So there's no such thing as an unfruitful church. And church membership does not mean fruitfulness in Christ. Let me say that. Because you'd be surprised how many people in churches are not born again. They're in there living their lives, but they are no closer to Jesus than they ever were. Why? There should be fruit. Everyone relies on the church. You know, in most cases, either the pastor or the church is who's winning people. And I have to admit, the reason why I can say we don't have a lot of people here for one reason, there are very few people that want to hear a lot of this gospel. But also, how many times have we been asked out there, what church do y'all go to? Exactly. What church are you in? What church? See, they want to come, but they want it to be a religious setting suitable for them and not after Christ. You see what the difference is? They ask what church. They're religious minded. So, see, I walk in a church, but as far as receiving the truth in Jesus, you know, I ain't too sure I want that. I want to be in a, hey, whatever preference people have is theirs. But what I'm saying is, Church membership does not mean fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. Why? Because, okay, if let's just say the church had drew that many people in, then people wouldn't be offended by the gospel. Then you wouldn't have homosexuality running mad. How can you have this much sin and this many Christians walking around? Impossible. Exactly. All right, verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. So you see, the devil blinds your minds. And have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So to backslide is to be blind. To hear the truth and do nothing is to be blind. We want God to remove the blindness off of our eyes that we may know Christ. Mm -hmm. Verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Never fall. Make your calling and your election sure. So what do we have to do? Bear witness of the truth in us. Mm -hmm. If I'm a believer, there should be evidence of me being a believer. Not wearing a crucifix. Not wearing a Christian t-shirt. Not saying hallelujah, praise Jesus, amen, glory to God. If he's, you really got the glory to God, then why aren't you growing in Christ and doing what he's telling you to do? Mm -hmm. How do you not love your brother but you love God? John says that you're a liar, that you can pass your brother and say you love the Lord. You don't. You love the Lord who you can't see, but you pass your brother you see every day and won't even lift a finger to help him. Exactly. Impossible. Let's go to Matthew 26 and I'm done. Man, I am not trying to take anybody's faith away. Jesus preached to a bunch of people saying, if you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood, that, you know, you will be saved in John 6. And they said, man, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And what did they do? From that day on, they walked not with him again. And who stayed? Jesus turned to the disciples. You guys got a free will too. Don't feel bad for leaving me. Do you guys want to leave too? What did Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Mm -hmm. That is what Peter was interested in. Peter believed in eternal life. He wasn't believing in membership. This is why Jehovah's Witnesses will not leave the kingdom hall. Some of them know what you're saying is true. 
But if I leave and I believe you, I'm going to get kicked out. People are going to stop talking to me that I love. You see how your feelings can damn your soul? Because it's not focused on Christ. It's focused on friends. It's focused on memberships. These things will destroy men. Because Christ is who you should be there for. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, you know, feeling it tonight. I need to be sorry. Matthew 26. And uh, we'll start at verse 36. That's why, man, unless you walk with Jesus, you got nothing. Mm -hmm. He said, many, the gate is broad for those who are going to hell. The gate is narrow for those who will find eternal life. He said, few find the way. So obviously, it's not going to be something that every worldly person wants. Let's think about that. Verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took... Um, with him Peter the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy then said uh, he unto them so he took his best people he took John and James and Peter everybody knows that these are the closest to the Lord he said guys come on come with me I'm going to go and pray then he said unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death tarry ye here and watch with me so he said hey guys be here with me And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he um, cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And And saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? So Jesus didn't give them short prayers. That's something we need to improve with the Lord, too, is a longer prayer life. Mm-hmm. 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, these guys all claim that they want to walk with Jesus. Jesus is praying, and he's in distress. So, you see, the disciples didn't really love Jesus. They enjoyed being with him. You know, I'm, I'm talking at this time. They enjoyed being with him, but you see, Jesus Jesus had a burden to bear. But you see, they were tired. Jesus said, he told them, I am heavy in my heart, I mean, in my spirit. You know, and all this, he's going through distress. He said, come and watch with me. He prays. Now, these are his boys. Okay, he comes back, they're asleep. You know why? Because it's not their trial, it's his. Mm -hmm. And this is why salvation is an individual affair. So then he says, verse, um, he told them, hey, guys, watch unless you fall into temptation. And he's telling you, you guys are sleeping because the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Mm -hmm. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup may pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again. So you notice he didn't ask them to wake up and pray again. He's beginning to recognize, you know something? My father said it is written in the old covenant that they would kill the shepherd and the sheep would run away. That they would run and leave. And remember when he said, guys, you guys are not going to be with me. You guys are going to leave me. And Peter said, no, 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 Lord. If everyone else forsakes you, I'll be with you. Peter made that clear. 
You know, and then he said, yeah, I'll follow you unto prison, even unto death. We cannot mentally ascend to this. We got to know Jesus Christ for real. The one who's not going to run is Jesus himself. So the second time, he's not asking them anymore. Okay, he recognized, okay, guys, your flesh, your sleep, what you want in the world is important to you. I'm realizing I'm alone. Yeah, Martin. What's that cup about again? Well, it's kind of like the cup of iniquity that he's taking for the sins of the world. It's kind of like what we would end up going through too. And that's why Jesus told John and James, you guys are going to bear this cup if you want to sit with me. Okay, so that cup is the cup of iniquity. Jesus died for us. You know, that cup is kind of like his blood. Remember when he said before they came out here, this is the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. So in the blood of Jesus, his blood to pay for sin meant that he wanted that cup to pass. I know, Father, you want a lot of work to be done, but I know right now my flesh is crying out. I don't want to die. I don't want to die in the brutal way that I know that I'm going to die. So, Father, if your will can be done any other way, please let this cup pass for me, but let your will be done. And you realize he didn't get one answer from the Father. Mm -hmm. So the Father ain't trying to hear you and I trying to get out of this easy. Exactly. Okay? We just need... He actually did make it easier for us. Because Jesus had to obey the Father through the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus gave us the Spirit that we may bear Christ in us. Mm -hmm. So you see, he did make it lighter for us. Because when real Christians suffer persecution and they may hurt... And they got all these things going on. Man, it's Jesus Christ bearing those blows. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you exactly what it's like because I've never been whipped or anything like that. But I believe if we got the boldness to speak the truth in Christ in the spirit, then man, it is the boldness to rejoice in the Lord for your lashes, That's for right. your stripes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus, that I got to suffer like you suffered. I'm not worthy. But Lord, if this glorifies you, then so be it. That is the mind of a mature Christian in Christ. Right. You ain't trying to escape. You want to go out like Jesus. And see, it's all about the spirit because how many movies do we watch in the world? You know, and we try and imitate those people. You'll go and get a haircut like them. You'll go, some people even carry guns and hang pants to be like them. Well, Jesus wants you like him. But see, if you're spiritual minded, what happens is, man, look at these fresh webs. You know, and Lord, I got to stand out there for you. I got to go to jail for you so that people may know that Christ is alive. That's the, that's the love of a mature Christian. Jesus is your idol. You wouldn't want to be like anyone else in this world. Hey, Christ, you did it. I'm going to do it in you. Lord, let me glorify you with this vessel. And if we're just a vessel, what do we care? It's Christ in you. But you see, if you're worried about if I go to jail, if this happens to me, if that happens... Man, I'm, I won't be able to do this. So who are you worried about? You. Because if you're worried about Christ, Christ is going to lead you only one place. Guess where that is? To the cross. Mm -hmm. He said you have to bear your cross and follow him. Mm -hmm. So you die daily in Christ. And the closer Jesus, as we read, get to this, this cross, man, people are peeling back. All those that were with him, they're all going astray. Even the boy who wanted to mimic the disciples, you read that in Mark 14 because we don't have time. He was in his robe walking with them until things broke out and they grabbed Jesus. He ran away naked. They grabbed his, his garment 
which is supposed to be his righteousness, and he fled naked. He got too close to the inferno. But you see, Christ wasn't in him. He was only trying to be like what he saw. We can't mimic Christ. We are here to demonstrate Christ mm -hmm. to the world that Jesus is alive. Mm -hmm. All right, enough preaching. Let's just get this over with. So it says, um, 45. is it 45? Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, so that time their eyes were heavy. He left them and went and prayed again and prayed a third time saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and he saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of the sinners. Ride, I mean, rise, let us be going. Uh, behold, he is at hand uh, that, uh, that doth betray me. So you see, Jesus died lonely. These people didn't back him up. He didn't blame them, but the point is that Jesus, if they left Jesus, what do you think they're going to do to you? Popularity in church does not symbolize a man of God. A man of God is who's willing to lay down everything on his cross and walk with Christ. You see, if Jesus walked with his cross, you have to walk with yours. If he was persecuted, you have to be persecuted. So, I brought this up. The reason for this teaching tonight is we get comfortable in groups. But we have to learn how to walk with Jesus. Yep. We really do. It's got to be you and Christ. I'm not speaking against other people of the body. We are independent, but we are interdependent. We work together like a body, but the hand doesn't ask the foot to hold something while he figures something out. They all have different assignments. Because if the foot goes up to help the hand, the body is just going to tip over because it's not balanced. So you see, God wants us all to be a bunch of holes a bunch of us having Christ formed in us to walk with him. And when Jesus got to that cross, Psalm 8 or Psalm 22 said that he was lonely. The people stood afar off to watch this Jesus that they loved. If they have left him, don't think that you're special. There's days when he says, make your calling and election sure. Make sure you know what the Lord is calling you to do. Mm -hmm. It is essential, the imperative, that you find that purpose for what he wants you to do. Amen. Why? Because everything outside of that is a dead work. So you want the Lord to show you, Lord, what is my place? Where do you want me? What should I be for you? That's important. But you're not going to get that through, you know, everybody coming with you. He made us all individuals for a reason. Melissa sings like she sings for a reason. Carlin gets prophecy from the Lord like he does for a reason. Christina will break down everything she can in this Bible for a reason. Sarah, bold as a lion. You know, she soft-spoken any other time, but Sarah will be out there like a warlord for a reason. You know, Martin and Laura, you know, you guys will do the things that the Lord is calling y'all to do for a reason. Everybody doesn't have a heart for giving. You guys are givers. You know, <laughs> you guys are really selfless when it comes to giving. You know, and that's a thing that the Lord has given each one of us. But we have to let him use us where we work for him. Mm -hmm. that, is a, that is important. You know, and of course I would miss you guys if things broke out. And you got, you know, years later, younger people come up in here and then whatever. You guys are off having your own ministry, doing whatever for Christ. Yeah, I miss you. But you know what? I'd be more proud that God did a work through you to show that the work that he did for you wasn't in vain. That you guys had done what he called you to do. 
And that's the awesome work. This is what churches are not telling people. Not all. I'm speaking of most. They don't want you to grow in Christ because if you become someone in Christ, they become no one. Mm -hmm. And that's why salvation is an individual affair. We've got to know Christ for real. Amen. Not who Carla knows, not who Christina knows, not who Martin and Laura knows, not who Sarah or Melissa. It is, do we know Christ personally? Right. What is he doing through me? Am I a vessel fit for Christ? And that is the only way to walk this thing out. Mm -hmm. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, not someone else's. You know, so that's the lesson for tonight. I'm sorry I don't have more positive words, but, you know, the, the point is, is it sounds like we can't afford to play with this. That's this right. is the only shot we've got, the only lifetime to do the will of the Lord, finishing your course, fighting the good fight of faith. Man, if we're afraid of that, then how do you fight the good fight of faith? Exactly. You know, watch it on television. You got to get in this. No, the Lord wants participators, not spectators. Amen. They don't Amen. get the word. They don't get what the Lord wants. All right, let's go to Psalm 75, everybody. That was a powerful message. Praise the Lord. He deserves all the glory. That's right. Psalm 75 and verse 1. <clears throat> Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. For that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. So obviously what it is saying here in verse 1 is that we give thanks to the Lord for everything. We give thanks to him when we have. We give thanks to him when we don't have. Mm -hmm. And just to give a quick testimony, I'm not going to go into regular details, but, you know... With all the circumstances that have happened with me, you know, my faith has stands on Jesus Christ. And I give him thanks for everything that he's done for me. And I was thinking about something today or a couple of days ago. Not that I'm glad I'm still in the military, but there are times I'm actually glad I got the opportunity to go through. For the simple reason is, is that the Lord, he's explaining to me how he can push us further than what we think we can go and in basic training that's what they do they push you further than what you think you can do your arms may be tired your legs may be tired your back is definitely tired and they know how far people can go but it's either going to make you or it's going to break you one of the two is going to happen but the lord knows how far we can go in him we just got to have that mental mindset broken in us that we can only go so far. Mm -hmm. But in all things, whether we have or we don't have, whether our bills are paid off or whether they're not paid off, let's give thanks to the Lord. Verse 2, When I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars in it, Selah. I said unto the fool, Deal not foolishly, and unto the wicked, Lift, up, lift not up the horn. Or the horn is more like strength in, in when it's saying that. Like so when David said my horn is exalted is exalted, that meant my strength is exalted. Verse five, lift up your lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. 
For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. So right here is letting us know that God is the judge. He takes things down and he sets things up. So he's in total control as to what's going on. And this should really ring to us that if he takes things down and he puts things up, man, all we got to do is believe in him for everything. Verse 8. In the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is full of mixture, and he poureth it out of the same. With the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. But I will declare forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked shall be cut off. So their strength's going to be cut off. But the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. So even though there's a lot of wicked going on and event you know it's actually going to get worse before anything happens but with all the wicked that's going on and everything that we have to go through and the persecution that we're going to have to endure you know there's going to come a time when the wicked they won't be exalted any longer you know when christ comes back all that's going to end we just have to keep going forward we have to continue our strength our strength the joy of the lord is my strength right I think you mentioned that tonight too but it's in the scriptures so it's like if we have joy in the lord and it says rejoice always and again i say rejoice because if we can't rejoice then we're worrying and if we're worrying we're not putting god first and our strength and our, our trust is not in him so it's saying that in here is like no matter what no matter what happens i trust in the lord for all things so, Um, let's go to Colossians 4 and 3. Actually, let's go 4 and 1. Masters, give up your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Withal, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Um, so I want to go back a little bit to with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. So I don't know, it just kind of took me back to when the Lord first really came into my life when I asked because I really truly believe with my heart that there was something more you know mm -hmm. and he answers and opens this door to the spirit realm for us you know and forgetting and not forgetting too that people that still walk in the world 
they know that there's something more, but still the door isn't quite open to them, you know? So you have to remember in walking around and passing souls all the time, being led by the spirit, because you could be that opportunity to reveal a little bit to them, like some of the mysteries of that open door that's open for you. So let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Mm. All right. Have you guys? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. To be led by the Spirit. That's right. Amen. Amen. And we'll jump over to Revelations 3 and 19. Actually, let's go to 18. counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye slave thou that thou mayest see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent all right so this just perfectly goes with what we talked about today and repent that's a full acceptance in your heart and complete changing so behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him and he will sup with me and he with me so this is Jesus telling us this is what we got to do knock at that door listen for his caring voice and then let him in because that's exactly what he wants, mm-hmm. and we'll sup together. That's right. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So like we were talking about earlier, the people that believe like once saved, there's no overcoming mm-hmm. in, in once saved. That's you're right. you're already there, right? So yeah. all right. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. But, yeah, that's what I had. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, seven times he said the seven churches to him that overcometh. Overcometh what? Read all of John, you know, 1 John 1, uh, 2 and 3. Overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If we overcome those things, Carlin is right. You know, that's... That's it. Now, is it going to be easy? No. But I tell you what, it doesn't have to be as hard as we can make it. Exactly. It's all about obeying the Spirit and letting the Lord lead us. The Holy Ghost only came for one reason. He wants to marry, you know, he wants, to, he wants his bride to be ready for Christ. Exactly. He's the wedding planner. All right, so for me, I guess we can um, pray out. Oh, Melissa has actually something she wanted to add. I'm sorry, guys. So if you guys want to know who's holding you up, it's her. <laughs> no, I just, I just got this this morning to just read this in a message of hope. Um, the Lord is my strength and my song. It's Isaiah 12. Um, and in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Amen. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. 
Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation, and in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. Mm -hmm. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Amen. We talked about declaring his holy name even back then, you know. This is awesome. Yeah. I know I preach nightmares and then everybody like, you need a bedtime story because now we're lights are on. Going crazy. Ran everybody off. (laughs) Trying to start a war. What does this guy do? All right, boys, we're going to pray. Lord, Carl, whoever, Martin, Laura, anybody feel led to pray, they can. Amen. I'll pray. You've been praying for two years. Mm. <laughs> she hasn't for a while, though. She's right, still, good, you're Melissa. feeling it? Just kidding. <laughs> Melissa, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, dear Lord, for this amazing message tonight and this reminder of your strength and thank your you, glory. Jesus your mighty power and just in that your gentleness with us lord and we thank you for your grace and mercy and your guidance um your discernment and we just pray that each day you would fill us more and more and just make us more and more aware of your presence and guide us just guide us lord and we trust you because we know that your strength and your wisdom is what we need to focus on lord and just please help us to brush away this earthly realm and not pay any mind lord just help us to know how to do that guide us every day light our steps light our sight and just help us to have your eyes lord for our brothers and sisters out there that need help and need need you um Help us to know who to go to and what yes, to do, yes, and yes. just give us the words and give us the the resources to help those people, Lord. And yes, we yes, just yes. pray for all those out there that are lost, yes, and yes. we pray for all the family members out there that maybe don't know you yet or are fighting against what we believe in, Lord, that they would come along and... Yes, just we pray for healing and just your strength, Lord. Just guide us, Lord. Help us to move out of our own way. Thank you, Lord, for the people in this room that have stepped up and you know are bringing these messages to us so that we can peel away the layers lord and become strong ourselves in you thank you for showing them the way and and coming through them and having the right words and having the holy spirit right here in our presence tonight lord we're so grateful for it thank you in your mighty mighty name we pray lord jesus jesus amen Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.